talking about. All right, we'll get started. So, so just a couple things about um, Baptist Men's Day. So, if you're really you're praying about wanting to speak and you're you're thinking that this might be a good opportunity for you to to break the ice, just so you know, the first time I ever stepped in the pulpit to speak was on a Baptist Men's Day. And so you see, see what happens? <laughs> Boom, before you know it. It took, it took about 30 years. So, but. Oh, that was a long time ago. Eastside Baptist Church, I remember it well. It was a Sunday night, so I got the Sunday night session because, you know, not as many people there on Sunday night, right? Get a good time to break in the ice. So we got two openings for Sunday night. So if you're thinking about it, so I have Terry and Jason are going to do Sunday morning. And uh, if I can't get two people for Sunday night, you know who you're going to be stuck with, right? So so it's easy. All right. All right. Huh? It's easy. So share anything you want to share. So, and if you say, hey, I, I got like three minutes I'd like to share, but I don't want the whole 15, but we'll work that in too. So just let me know what you're thinking. So, all right, I'm, I'm glad, and I really appreciate you coming back tonight. I know we got a lot of people out sick. I know we got some people traveling. I know a lot of people can't be here, and that's understandable. But I appreciate you coming back because it's odd that you come back on a, th- a third Sunday afternoon. This is it's supposed to be that home time, right? But we'll make up for it next week. We'll give you the afternoon off. And so uh, we just want to talk to you about a few things. We want to talk about Scripture. Man, when we talk about Scripture and we open it up and we study it, and, you know, I've told you, and I know that you know it because you guys are the solid part of the church, y'all, the, the backbone. But, you know, every single passage of Scripture in the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, speaks about who? Jesus. It talks about God. It talks about Jesus Christ. You can see it in all the Old Testament. You can see it in the New Testament. It all points to Christ. It all talks about Christ. It's all about God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about Christian beliefs on Sunday night and some of the different things. And if you'll notice how they're all tying together and, and still got some that I want to talk about even, even uh, in the future. But this one tonight is, who is Christ? And you think about that and say, well, Carrie, we know who Christ is. Man, you just talked about resurrection. You just talked about, you know, back in December, we talked about his birth. We've talked about all the miracles that he's done. We talked about his walk. We've talked about all the different things about Christ. And you've already told us that every passage of Scripture uh, speaks about Christ. So why are you asking me the question of who is Christ? But there's some Scripture, and it's solid about Christ, about who he is. And, and some of the things that are important is to understand is one of the one of the biggest things to understand is about Christ is that when he came to the earth, he didn't give up his deity. He didn't relinquish that. He didn't leave it in heaven. He had it with him the whole time. He was always God the Son, even though he was in a human flesh. He never he never was not God the Son. Okay? And so he was fully human, but yet he was fully God all at the same time. Okay, while he was here, he was fully human. When we think about fully human, I'm talking about he had a body just like us. He had eyes, he had ears, he had a brain, he had a heart, he had liver organs. You know what I'm saying? He had lungs, he had legs, he had fingers and toes. He was every bit of a person as you and I are. But yet he was every bit of God the Father, God the Son, even though he was in a human flesh. And so that's some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. And basically what I've got on your handout is the scripture that just goes along with it, that just supports it. So you don't have to really focus on the handout. It's just something 
for you to take along with you and you're sitting at your at your desk next week and you're drinking some coffee and you look at it you can look at some different things that I've put in here but let's look at this who is who is Christ in the person of Jesus God physically entered into the world when you think about that well Jesus entered into the world well let me tell you something that was God who entered into the world through Jesus Christ God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit they are all one remember we've talked about the Trinity so it's God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit but what is in the middle each one is always what? God. All right? So no matter what you look at, how you look at it, they're all fully God. And so God entered into the presence of the world. All right? An infinite God came into the live in a finite world. So God the Father came through God the Son into the world to live in a world that he created to work perfectly. And obviously when he got here, he knew, and he already knew it, but was the world working perfectly? No, that's why he came, right? That's why that was the whole reason he came. He came to a place that was obviously not working the way it was supposed to work. In Jesus, God the man became one person, a person unlike anyone else has ever been on this planet and unlike anyone else that ever will be on this planet, okay? Once and for one, one time only did God enter into the world through his son that was a perfect person that was in the image of himself and yet was a fully a human being. One time that took place and only one time that will take place. Now the next time Christ comes, what's going to happen? What's that? He's going to take us home, but it's going to be judgment the next time he comes. He comes with grace the first time. He comes with mercy and grace the first time and forgiveness. The next time he comes, there's going to be judgment, all right? And he'll take us home. He'll perceive his church and take his people home, all right? Let's see here. Where we are. <clears throat> Jesus Christ was and forever will be fully God and fully man in one person. That's some very important. And I beat that, that horse to it. It's, it's, it can't go anymore. But the thing is, it's one person, and that word person changed the course of history. We talked about that this morning. Man, when Christ came, he changed the course of history. Anyone who trusts in him is changed, so it's different than, than it was before. So he changed the form of, of history. No, so that's who is Christ. Those are just a couple sentences, but now just talk about Jesus fully man, and look at what the Scripture says about that. Jesus was fully and completely human. He was conceived in the womb of a mother through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. So that's what makes him fully man. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, placed in the womb of his physical mother. He went through the nine months of growth inside the womb, and he was delivered uh, just like any other child. He, he grew just like any child, but he came, he was fully man, all right? This is made clear in Matthew 1.18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And we talk about that. That's, that's December's material, okay? While many things could be said about this, the one thing is clear. Jesus was born of a human mother, a, a young girl, a human mother, someone who had a physical, earthly mother and father, okay? She had all the, the parameters of being a mother. She was born, of, Jesus was born of a human mother. His ordinary human birth affirms his humanity. So when you think about it, the fact that he was born of a human mother confirms that he had humanity, okay? So, so he had the Holy Spirit inside of him, but to get the part of the physical birth, to get the part of humanity, he had to get traits from the physical mother, okay? Now let's go on. 
As a child, he grew and became strong. That's what the Bible says about him. Now, we know that Jesus is omnipotent. We know he's just like God. We know he has all the same characteristics of God. We know that he is all-knowing. He can be all-present, okay? The thing is, we know he's just like God, but the Scripture tells us, if we look in Luke 2.40, the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Now, God could have just said, boom, I'm going to send the son down there. He's already going to be 33 years old when he gets there, or 30 years old. He's going to do some things for you. He's just going to. <laughs> Test. All right. There we go. All right. But so, so he didn't do it that way. All right. That's not the way God had planned it. That was not part of the plan. He sent him here. He grew up. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom. Obviously, where did he get the wisdom from? From God. I, God. God filled him with godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. All right. God's grace was on him. He became wearied from his journey. When you think about it, he became weary. He became tired. When he journeyed, he got tired. He had to sit down. He had to rest. All right. John 4, 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey. That's what the Bible says. Worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. And it was about noon, middle of the day, in the heat. He's tired from the journey where they're traveling together. He's tired. He sits down because the Bible says he was weary and he was worn out from his journey. He was hungry. All right? I get that word right? He was hungry. All right? He, he said there was times, Matthew 4, 2, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I mean, you ever get hungry? Only on the third Sunday, right? Huh? Huh? It's the same thing. Jesus was hungry, all right? And while he was on the cross, what did he say? I what? I'm thirsty. I thirst. And he had human, he had human characteristics right up until he took his last breath. John 19, 28. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished and the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty or I thirst. All right? His body was in every aspect, in every way, just like mine and just like yours. Every aspect of a human body. Jesus rose from the dead in a physical human body that was no longer subject to weakness, disease, and death. So you think about that. Now, in a spiritual body, Jesus didn't have to rise. Am I confusing you now? The soul doesn't have to rise. In a spiritual body, Jesus didn't have to rise. It was the physical body that he arose in. All right? Not only that, so so tell well, Carrie, well, I'm not sure about that because how did his physical body come out of the tomb? How did his physical body go into the room with a locked door? How did all that happen? Well, the thing, what did Jesus say, touch? What did he say, touch me where? You want to prove to it, it's me, touch me where? What did he tell Thomas to touch him? Hands and feet. If it wasn't a physical body, if it didn't have scars on it, why would he say, touch me where the scar is? Put your hand in my side. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it had a physical body, even though he could move through walls, even though he could go through locked doors. The physical body is what was raised on the third day. All right? All right? And the disciples told him he is astonished by the risen Lord. Luke 24, 39 says this, Look at my hands, look at my feet, that is it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see that I have. Which basically means I'm not a ghost. I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that was crucified. I'm the one that was hanging on the cross. I'm the one that God raised from the dead. So you think about it. In that song is the only scars in heaven to be where? There'll be no scars in heaven other than who? 
uh, than Jesus. I mean, he's the only one that's going to have scars, and that's just going to remind us what he did for us, okay? All right. Jesus' mind was just like ours as well. He went through a learning process like ch- other children do. Luke, for example, tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom. Luke 2.52 says this, And Jesus increased in wi- wisdom and stature, and in, and in favor with God and with people, all right? So like normal child, like a normal children, normal child, he learned how to do things such as talk, read, write, and eat. All the things that, that his mother took care of him because she was responsible for him as he came through infancy, as he moved into childhood. You know, when he becomes 13 years old, it seems like he's on his own from that point on or, or that young age because he, he doesn't need anybody to tell him what to do anymore. And he basically tells them what he's going to do from that point on. But you think about it. He learned to talk, read, write, and eat, just like other children. And in his human nature, now this is the human part of it, he did not know the day or the hour that he would return to receive his church. That's on the human nature side. Now you think about it. Well, Carrie, you've already told us that God is all-knowing, that Jesus has all the characteristics. He's all-knowing. I can't tell you that, that he does know when he's going to return from a, from a spiritual standpoint because he's omnipotent, because he specifically tells us in Scripture that no one knows the hour and, and time except God himself, okay? So, so that part I, I can't reassure or tell you that he does know, but basically from his human nature side, there was no way he could know. Mark 13, 32 says this, Now concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son... Okay, so at that point, you want to understand that that it it looks and it appears that he does not know, even though he is the son of God. Okay, all right, nor the son, but only the father. All right, Jesus felt the full range of emotions. When you look at emotions, man, Jesus had the same emotions that we have. And that's one of the things that we talked about multiple times, the fact that if you got a problem... If you got sickness, if you got emotions, if you got pain, if you got struggle, if you got a headache, if you got uh, depression, you got to understand that Jesus has felt every single emotion that you can have so that he can relate to it, all right, so that he can understand it from a physical standpoint. So he has every single aspect that you have except for uh, the fact that he can understand every bit of it. Look at some of the scriptures, and, and I've got three of them marked down for you. It says in the Bible that he marveled at the faith of the centurion. That was Matthew 8.10. It said he wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. Man, you think about it. Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet he still wept at it beforehand. Why do you think that happened? Oh, that's human. It's motion. He was saddened because Lazarus was gone. Even though he delayed going, because he knew that God was going to be glorified in what he was about to do. But he still had the human emotion. He was still human. He still had humanity in him. And he wept because of his friend Lazarus because he loved Lazarus. Okay? Now, he loves all of his children, but he specifically had a relationship with Lazarus and his family. All right? He prayed to God in loud cries and tears. That's what tells you in Hebrews 5, 7, that he prayed to God with loud cries and tears. And we know that in... Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying prostrated on the ground, all right? He had emotions then. Before his crucifixion, he said these things, My soul is very sorrowful even to death, Matthew twenty six thirty eight. 38. We're still talking about emotions. We're still talking about physical feelings. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. 
And I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. I'm, I'm almost to the end of my rope, so to speak. All right? He had, he had these heavy emotions placed on him. The cup that he was about to drink is what he's talking about. Jesus was like, was like us in every aspect but one. What was that? He never sinned. Let's say that together. He never sinned, all right? That's the only thing that's different, all right? You see, he's just like us other than he never sinned and he had deity, okay? That is why at the end of his life he could say this, John 15, 10, I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. I've done exactly what he told me to do. I've, been, I've, I've walked the walk just like he told me to do it. I've done every single thing that he's, he's instructed me to do. We've been in constant communication throughout this whole journey, throughout this ministry. I have had the emotions. I've fasted. I've been hungry. You know, I've, I've, I've healed the sick. I've touched the, the lame. I've helped where he's told me to help. I have walked all the way to the cross just like he's told me to do. And he's, he went all the way, all right? And we look at this, and that is why Paul referred to Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5.21, him who knew no sin. Now, he, was, he was sinless for us, all right? Jesus had, uh, had to be fully human to serve as a perfectly obedient representation. Now, this is something that we previously talked about. Because of the, of the obedience, because of what he had to do, he had to be fully human to be perfectly obedient representation of what needed to take place on the cross. If he was anything but completely human, it would not have been a, a perfect sacrifice. Okay? All right, you think, think about it. He was pre- his representation of obedience as a man is in contrast to Adam's representations of disobedience. And we talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. One was disobedient and one was obedient. And we look at Romans 5.19. That, that is by one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners. When Adam, Adam uh, was disobedient to God's uh, commandment, we're all sinners. And that's what he talks about. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. Because of Jesus Christ's obedience, and we turn, we turn to him and faith and trust in him, we can have righteousness and, and we can be in the right state with God. Now, this morning I gave you some if questions. We talked about some things that if, what you know, possibly could have happened or what could happen if you look at the if questions. So let's look at this. If Jesus was not fully human, his obedience in our place would be meaningless. If he wasn't fully human, the sacrifice wouldn't have taken my sins upon his shoulders, okay? Fully human. Just as Jesus had to be fully human to live in our place, he also had to be fully human to die in our place. All right? So that makes him fully human. Hebrews 2.17 tells us this. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of people. Y'all follow me? Okay. If, another one. If Jesus weren't fully human, his death in our place would be meaningless. Jesus' humanity as well as his deity allows him to serve as the one mediator between us and God. He's the only one of the Trinity that has served in both spots. That he's God the, God the Son and he's also fully human. So he's the only one that can truly understand and, and represent us. Okay, It also means that as a man, he was in every aspect tempted as we are. 
so that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. And that's the one, one of the stronger things, the fact that you say, well, he, you know, he, he didn't have what I have. He didn't have to deal with what I deal with. Well, yes, he did. For 40 days and 40 nights, Satan tempted him. Now, we know about three temptations in the Bible, but this went on for 40 days and 40 nights, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right? It wasn't, there wasn't a break. It wasn't like a, a two-hour uh, you know, temptation issue, and we had you know, 22 hours of, of break. This went on nonstop. That's why he was, he was fatigued at the end. That's why he was hungry at the end, because Satan tempted him nonstop for 40 days and 40 nights with every single thing that we deal with, okay? And he didn't give up on that, but he did, he did it for 40 days. Now, Jesus is fully God, so we talked about him being fully man, but we also want to talk about him being fully God. The virgin birth of Jesus is a supernatural work of God. There's no way around it. You know, without two people coming together, husband and wife, creating a, a child, there's no other way around it other than it being a miraculous work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? So he was fully God. Through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of Jesus' mother, the human and the divine were united together in a way that's never been done before or ever will be done again. So look at this. The Bible's very clear about this, that Jesus is fully God. When we look at Colossians, all right? Is that on your second page? Colossians. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Tells you flat out, the fullness of God's nature dwells fully in, in God in Christ. All right. When the angel announced the birth of Jesus, they were saying that the Lord Himself was born, and that's what they're saying. Lord God is here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All right. Luke two eleven. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah. The Lord. When Jesus was asked, and you go a little bit further, when, when Jesus was walking on this earth, when Jesus was asked if he had seen Abraham, John records it this way with the way Jesus responded to that. All right? And this is very similar to what God had said earlier. All right? John 8, 57 through 8, the Jews replied, You aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said this to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, what? I am. I am, is what he said, and he's comparing himself to God. Now this, if you follow, if you read further in, in this section, this is where they want to take him out. I mean, this is where they went to get the stones to stone him, but yet he, he, he moves out of the way and moves where they can't see him, all right? But this is what they, they called him for blaspheming. In Revelation twenty two thirteen, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All right? This is very similar to what God the Father said at the beginning of the same book. When you look in Revelations 1.8, it says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, all right, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus compared himself, I am. God says, I am. I mean, they both refer to the same thing because they are both God. All right? All right. So let's look at here. The Paul, when we look at Paul's writings in Philippians, the Apostle Paul said this to Jesus. Uh, he was worthy of worship. Look at 15, uh, wait a minute, fifth, Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says this. For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whew, man, that's a good one. Jesus is fully God, he was fully man, and he was fully both 
at the same time, all right? Fully God, fully man, fully both at the same time, all right? The eternal Son of God took to himself to be truly human and have human nature, all right? His divine and his human natures are forever distinct and retain their own properties. So it it never changes from, from being fully human to fully divine, Okay, they each had their own properties. He, they were they occurred at the same time, even though they are eternally and separately united together into one person. All right, now this is probably the most amazing miracle in the entire Bible when you think about it. I mean, how how God the Son could come into this world, how He could be fully human and fully uh, God at the same time. But we think about it. The eternal Son of God, Himself fully God, fully man, joined Himself to the human nature forever. All right? Jesus, a man like anything else or anyone else on this planet who has ever been here, who will ever be here in the future, by eternally bringing together both the infinite and the finite, changed the course of history. All right? So, two questions to finish up with, and they're on your last page. Let's think about it. Let's see what kind of response we can get. So Jesus was fully God. What are some of the ways that this encourages you? The fact that Jesus was fully God, how does that encourage you? Are you encouraged, the fact that Jesus is fully God? Yes. Okay, so he's fully God, that encourages, so how? I mean, how does that encourage you? Because he understands what I'm going through. He can relate to, to what, I've, uh, what I've had to deal with. I mean, he understands all those things. It encourages me that way. He's fully man. We can look at it the same way. He's tempted. He's, he goes through the emotions. He knows what I feel like when I lose a family member. When somebody goes on to be with the Lord, he knows what I'm having to deal with. He knows how low I feel. He knows the sadness that I feel. He knows when, when things aren't going well. He knows how to understand that. You think about it, he's fully man, fully God. So how does that encourage you, anybody? There you go. He's got the power. He's got the understanding. He can, he can handle it. Nothing too big for him. So, so that's one of the things in the Bible says, why we should not worry. Why, why should we not worry about anything? <laughs> because I look at everybody. I try to scan the whole church. So why, why should we not worry? What? He's in control. Bible basically says if you worry about something that you think it's bigger than who? Than God. Ain't nothing bigger than God. He created everything, all right, except sin, all right? So he can handle it all. And so so that's why we shouldn't worry. So so what is how does that encourage you that he's fully God, fully man? Man, because of what? What happened last week? What did we celebrate last Sunday? Resurrection. That's that's worth that's encouraging, isn't it? Isn't it encouraging to know that, that Jesus went through so much pain and so much strife and so much difficulty on his way to the cross? And when he's hanging on the cross, he's looking at the people that are crucifying him and mocking him and spitting on him and asking God to forgive him. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, nothing I can do could change the love he has for me, right? I mean, when you look at that, I mean, people were nailing him to the cross and beating him and, and all the things, but yet he looks down on them and he asks God to forgive them. And that's, a, that's quite a love, isn't it? Nobody else loves us like Nobody else loves us like he does. I mean, your own family don't love you the way God loves you. you they say you do. I mean, you want to say that you're unconditional, but there's still, in your deep down, there's also things that, that cause you trouble with that. So. 
He is the truth. You can know the truth in Jesus Christ. He is the truth. They want to knowledge right now about words. They want to do it anyway. That's right. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. is that human nature or, or is it just you don't have faith? It could be both. It could be both. All right. Anybody else? Kathy? Would our lives be like if we hadn't read the veil? Ooh. We were destined for hell without the sacrifice. I mean, that's where we were headed. And that's the thing is, that, and if you believe the Bible, I mean, that's what was happening. And uh, the, there had to be something to, to solve that problem. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, well, you know that the centurion changed his mind, but it did say in the Bible that I think he referred to it as we. I mean, there was more people that that saw what happened and said, "Uh oh, I think we've made a mistake." You know, I, that's just Kerry's philosophy about it. that. Was my commentary on that. But I mean, you think about it. I mean, like like I said this morning, a time or two is some people are visual learners. I mean, the thing is, you you got to understand those people had crucified. Romans were crucifying people every day. I mean, they were hanging people on the cross. It was just routine for them. I mean, those people were nothing. So it's just a, this is, we're better off because, you know, you talk about that pit, that pit that they threw people in was full of dead people that they were taking off the cross. And you can just get a picture of that and just picture the amount of flies. You know what I'm saying? And you just think about that. But the thing is, is they were, they were numb to the fact that they were just killing these people, hanging them, crucifying them, and it was just routine for them. And then the minute they crucified Jesus Christ, it's like boom. Darkness comes over, earthquake, you know, you know, it's like an eye-opening experience. And the one said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Surely this man was the Son of God. And we, you know, it's like, ooh, uh, what are we gonna do now? You know? So I mean the thieves on the cross knew it. One of them knew it, the other one didn't know it. So all right. Anybody else? Y'all tired? It's been a long week for me, I'm going to tell you. I'm, this, is, this has been a long one. So. Tyler kept me out late last night, him and John Henry, at the wedding. They wouldn't let me go home early. So. They were wanting to get on the dance floor and stuff like that. So. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Any more questions before we close it out? All right. Uh, let's, let's have prayer, and then, and then we'll dismiss for the evening. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for a day in your house. God, I just thank you for the time that we're able to come together freely. God, to study your word, to grow closer to you, to grow deeper into your word. God, I just thank you for those that come in tonight. God, just to, for the fellowship and for the, for the study time. And God, I just pray for each one that's here. God, I pray for the, the families that are, are not here. God, I pray for those that are sick, those that are traveling. Father, I just pray that you would comfort each one of them. God, just to lift them up, uh, let them know that you love them. And God, just, just, just heal them. 
And God, I'm get them back in church very soon. God, I just thank you for Pine Hill. I thank you for the witness that it is to this community. I thank you for the, the members and the non-members. I thank you for those that are in attendance and those that come, those that are faithful to serve. God, just pray that you would help this church to, to stay on the path and to be focused. And God, just to, just to move every step closer to sharing the gospel with people that don't know you. Father, I pray and I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for these, the blessings that you give us each day. And I'm so looking forward to the next day. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. What? What's up, dear? Yeah. Good. Greg going to get it.